0: Hi, welcome back to Minidop's podcast, Let's Talk. This is Wendy Lee-Ron, an Education Program Coordinator. Today, I'm here with Maude LaRue, an internationally acclaimed occupational therapist and expert on sensory integration and human development. Maude, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Wendy. It's really a pleasure. Good. It will be for me, too. Um, as an education program person and the grandmother of a child who is on the autism spectrum, autism spectrum, I'm so interested in our upcoming webinar series, Sensory Processing and Attachment. So let me begin with a brief description of our audience. MinAdopt offers educational events to adoptive foster and kinship families and the professionals who serve them. So our work is focused on serving the needs of children with trauma histories and a variety of diagnoses, and the families with whom they live. Okay, so let's start with the basics. Um, Could you describe what occupational therapy is? I'm sure you can. (laughs) I'm guessing it's not about helping youth with choosing a job (laughs) for their future. Oh, I must tell you the story of how I chose my vocation
1: one day, but that's not for today, Wendy. That's a long story, but you know what? Um, I can gladly talk about occupational therapy. I love being an occupational therapist. Um, We are involved with, the short answer is we are involved with function. So whatever makes you not able to function in the way that you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So it's very broad. It's very broad. And a lot of the training has to happen actually after you've got your degree. And we have to specialize in certain directions because an OT can work as well with paraplegics and quadriplegics as an OT can work in, um, in workman's comp, where they're working on creating different desktops and different sizes for people with disabilities, as they can work like I do in pediatrics. So for my, my job in pediatrics is, and I like to think of, I like to work with the beginning of life, you know, where I can see, okay, the impact that I can have is still for the future, you know, so that's what draws me to pediatrics. And of course, the little kids, you know, making kids blossom. So in the OT that's working with kids is going to be looking at how do they do their, their skills of everyday living? How do they get dressed in the morning? How do they get through their day? How do they manage their time? What are the executive functions like? How do they deal with their behaviors, their meltdowns? Um, it's very, very broad. And then also, how they do with the academics? I mean, why can certain kids not read? We will cover that in the fourth um, uh, webinar of our webinar series, the fourth section. Um, why do some kids not able to read? Why can some kids not have a much harder difficulty at math right? Um, so we're looking at it, especially the, the kind of um, um, place that I come from as a developmental perspective. I feel like if typical development was good enough for the typical child, it's going to have to be good enough for the atypical child. And we have to figure out where's the gaps in that original development that causes their function not to happen the way that they need to. So Mm -hmm. perhaps just getting them to be the best version of themselves that they could be.
0: Ah, I like that description. One of the things that that I really noticed, and I I guess I should have not just that one grandson on the autism spectrum, I have two that are on the autism spectrum, but the older one who's now 13, I saw so much improvement with him when he was able to get OT services through a chance to grow. And um, unfortunately we haven't been able to carry that on under the current circumstances, but um, yeah, I, he he's a, a young man who just has, handwriting that's illegible completely illegible and the more ot he had the better his handwriting was getting the better his ability to walk with his feet flat on the ground instead of on his tiptoes um, it, it's really dramatic the kind of changes that it can bring
1: that's right and and the thing is the trick is you also have to find out um, if you're looking for an occupational therapist what kind of post-grad training they have Because not all OTs have post grad sensory integration training. It is definitely something that you have to be interested in and to follow. So many therapists, many families get very confused when they look at the educational OT um, and what the educational OT is doing and what their clinic OT is doing. The clinic OT is probably more bent towards the developmental aspect and working on sensory integration, whereas the referral in school systems, educational systems, and the phrase, what is relevant? Of course, what's educationally relevant for you and for me may not be educationally relevant for others. But, um, um, and so what you see is that they mostly will work on handwriting, uh, maybe visual perception, maybe visual motor, working on pencil grip and seeing how easily can the kid fit in the classroom. That's very different from clinical uh, work. And so there is a good space for both. And both should be working together, you know? But yeah, that's what parents should be looking for is, is um, what is the background of the OT that they're contacting?
0: Yes, good advice, thank you. Well, let's talk about sensory integration. Sensory integration is another key element in this series. Could you describe the difference between sensory modulation and sensory discrimination? The senses seem to drive the bus.
1: They do drive the bus, don't they? If I cannot register information, how on earth do I respond? If I cannot see what you're seeing, if I cannot hear what you're hearing, if I cannot feel what you're feeling, how must I respond to the message you're giving me? So difficult for kids and i think it's so hard for us to keep understanding let's say just the tactile system right so if you think about tactile discrimination i'll get to your full answer in a minute but if you just think about tactile and how much what i touch is giving me a sense of body awareness right and if i look at you right now i know exactly where my feet are but i'm not seeing it right if i put my arm in a sleeve I'm expecting it to come out on the other end because I can feel my way through the sleeve. Many kids who don't have that discrimination, they feel afraid of putting their hand somewhere where they can't see it. So they won't learn to, to, to don a very simple, basic shirt because it's frightening for them to put their hand somewhere where they can't see it. So really the sensory pieces are so important and I look forward to demystifying some of that as much as we possibly can in four webinars right Mm -hmm. so the difference is the sensory modulation system is sort of what what psychologists when they talk about regulation we overlap quite a lot in that area but there is a difference modulation is about my arousal levels so how cool can i get up in the morning am i the grumpy kind like my husband or am i Like me, at five o'clock, I'm up and I'm in front of the computer. I'm already answering my first emails of the day, right? So some of us have a different alertness, arousal level. And I know that if I have my cup of coffee, I'm going to do even better, right? So there's certain things we do throughout the day to keep our arousal level up to do the job we need to do. So what happens in the brain is that we have an autonomic nervous system. That autonomic nervous system is what we will cover in more detail in in the actual series. But that system is part of one particular sort of area in the brain that we call the reticular activating system. And I promise you, I won't give you a lot of terms like this to remember. I'll give you what's the functional implications, okay? But there is a brain science behind this. So that system is involved with keeping myself alert throughout the day at the just right balance. And I'll go into more detail on the webinar. Now, discrimination, as, um, is more. it's got a very big part to play in the, cent- in the central nervous system. So when I touch a pencil, when I touch my laptop, my brain is immediately getting that that impact of what I touched. When I see something, when I hear something. So my registration of my information that tells my body where I am in space and what I have to pay attention to and what my processing speed is, that comes from discrimination. So if I pick up this little piece of chocolate that I quickly ate before we started because um, I was running low on energy because I was going all day from one thing to the other, Um, you know, if I quickly do that, if I squeeze this chocolate too hard, it might break off on my hands or it might just disintegrate. And if I keep it in my hand the whole time that we're speaking, it might melt, right? So that grading of what's happening to this object it's what I do with discrimination. If the teacher speaks very softly, right? If she starts whispering, I'm picking up that something is happening in a very soft way and I can grade that information as to what that actually means. So my sensory systems are sort of how I get the information and how I push that information to my brain to be analyzed. And that's really the essence of discrimination causes a lot of other pieces along the way, but that's the essence of it.
0: Nice, thank you. Well, could you speak to how this series will inform and empower families? I'm gonna keep it so practical.
1: I'm gonna give you a lot of ideas. Um, I will do as many ideas as I can in 90 minutes on each topic. And some topics I've I've allowed some overlap in, so that if you don't get your question answered in the first one, there's a chance to ask it again, okay? Mm But I do also have certain areas that I want to cover and make sure that everybody is good on that. And what I really am um, wanting to help parents understand is how to demystify behavior and how to look at behavior. It's so sad for me that we sometimes look at behavior as a negative word. In fact, you and I are behaving right now, Wendy. (laughs) If we didn't behave right now, what on earth are we doing, right? Behavior. Behavior is actually a communication. You know, the way that you're smiling at me when I'm talking to you, and the way that you're responding to me with eye contact, your behavior is communicating to me your interest. And what I want parents to understand is that any behavior, even though it might not look like the behavior you want, is actually communication. Mm -hmm. And to help parents to understand that looking at that in that frame, will help the child to feel like he's understood. And actually, when that happens, you can decrease the behavior. And please, I know, I work with many, many families that are working in foster and attachment types of situations and have to live this every day. I know it's hard. And I know there's no quick answer for every single situation. But I think if we can apply a few general ideas, and if I can give you a couple of mantras to hold on to, when you leave that webinar that's what i really want to do Is so i want to make sure that you can understand it better understand your child better and understand more okay maybe if i don't understand this piece then maybe i just know where to go and look and maybe i can help get find the right person to help me with what i need to help with
0: very good I am so looking forward to this mod, oh boy. All right, I am now going to encourage people to register to find out more about the series. The series is October 23rd, 30th, November 13th and 20th, from noon to 1.30 p.m. Central Time. To see the full description and to register, go to www.minuteadopt.org education and click on Upcoming Workshops. I look forward to virtually seeing you <laughs> at the series and, and seeing you, Maude, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me and for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye.